Hello, everyone. This is Chad Dotson. You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, episode 140. With me today, one of our longtime uh, writers and editors at Red Leg Nation, uh, among other places, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I am splendiferous. Oh, wow. That's, don't start using words that I can't spell. I don't think that's even a or, word. I was going to say, or that are made up. Um, well, I'm splendiferous, too, because the Cincinnati Reds are winning baseball games, and they're, they've won both of their first two series of the year, and, and that's our first segment, is that sort of the news of the week, what's been going on, and that's a great place to start. Two straight series out of the All-Star break. Is there any reason that any rational observer would look at this team and not believe that they're on their way to at least making the wild card? I, I can't think of one. I mean, I think they're pretty obviously the best team in baseball now, right? Well, it seems like it. Uh, you yeah. know, I mean, I don't know how you can dispute that. If, I mean, they've got a hole, but I think, you know, with a little luck, they can catch the Cubs. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I think if the entire, uh, if we say in all of baseball, if that just included the Milwaukee Brewers and the Atlanta Braves, then yeah, I think you could make an argument they're the best team in baseball. Uh, they, they've beaten they've beaten those two teams, uh, two out of three each, the first uh, two series of this uh, second half, and, you know, it is what it is. You're playing the Brewers and the Braves, but it's fun to win. It's nice to see, and it's a lot better than than when they do have to play the Cubs. Oh gosh, uh, do they do they still have to play the Cubs? Can't we just I don't know forfeit or something? It's just and, and it feels so wrong to be scared of the Cubs. <laughs> I know. I know. After it's all so... those years, after all those years of just beating up on uh, on the Cubs, uh, now you got to fear them. And uh, and it was always awful having them come to town because of all the blue shirts. But now they got blue shirts and a good baseball team, and it really just doesn't seem fair. Yeah, but I mean, to get and to get back though to your thing, you know, obviously we're what like six games into the second half, but we're all expecting them to be better. And you know, regardless of of whoever else they're playing, looks a lot better so far. You know, it's 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 a nice it's a nice way to start. I think most of us realistically are hoping for kind of like a five hundred ball club, maybe you know, for, from here on out. Yeah. And I, I really don't. And, and some people are going to laugh at that maybe because they're on pace at, at the all-star break to lose what 103, 104. But I don't think it's unreasonable at all to, to think that the Reds could, could be a 500 team in the second half. And I don't think we're just being delusional because they beat up on the Braves and the, and the Brewers. We've been saying for a while, you and I both, and a lot of other people, not just us, but you know, the pitching is, should be stabilized for the second half. The bullpen is certainly stabilized at this point uh, during the set for the second half. Uh, Joey Votto's back. There are a lot of reasons to think they're going to be a lot better than they were in the first half. Now, yeah, I, I haven't gone back and actually looked at this, but, but I mean, the, the pitching staff has got to have what, like an 80% turnover since the beginning of the year. The, the only starter left is Finnegan, right? I think everybody else has turned over. I think you're right. Cause uh, certainly Straley wasn't in the uh, opening day rotation. Cody Reed wasn't, uh, Di Sclafani wasn't, uh, who else we, who else are we thinking here? Well, you know, we've had the run of the Adelmans and the yeah, uh, and the John Lambs and whatnot. Right, yeah, John but, Lamb was a, and he's uh, dearly departed now, having been sent down to AAA. Um, probably shouldn't say it like that, but uh, no. uh, one and seven with a six point four three ERA earned Lamb a, a demotion this week. So I hate that for that guy. I thought he showed some things last year that made me optimistic, uh, and he's just twenty. Well, he just turned twenty six, I think. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, I was talking to uh, a friend. Um, the other day about the rotation and, and whatnot. And she thought that, that John Lamb maybe might, might still be a little bit hurt and maybe pushing himself because he saw this as, 
his sort of one chance to carve himself out a spot in the rotation because the Reds do have all those players coming up, coming along. And this is sort of this awkward year in between. And so maybe he was trying really hard to make sure he was up and, and who knows? I mean, he, he certainly hasn't pitched like he did last year. Um, so it's, it's at least one possible explanation. That's not, that's not an unreasonable theory because he's certainly just been, uh, it's not been a good season, you know, uh, 31 walks, 58 strikeouts and 70 innings pitched to just, uh, it's been ugly. And, uh, at some point the Reds are going to have to start thinking, uh, is this guy, uh, do we give up on him? And I think he could have sensed that. I mean, it makes sense. This is my shot. This is my one shot. We've got, uh, Cody Reed and, and Robert Stevenson and Amir Garrett. And then, you know, Di coming back from injury and Homer Bailey be coming back from injury. If I don't take advantage of this now, I may never get another shot. And that would probably motivate, motivate someone to pitch through injury. That that would make sense. He certainly doesn't. You're right. He does not look like the same pitcher that we saw. At times, he looked just really good last year. And so, where's that guy? I want him back. Yeah, I mean, I thought for a while, and, and probably said in various places, that, that I think his uh, his end destination has always been kind of middle relief, um, which is, you know, fine. There are a whole lot worse things than being in a, a middle reliever in, in Major League Baseball. Um, but But this year certainly has been a rough one on him. It has been, and and yeah, that's probably where most people thought uh, he was going to end up being. And having an effective left-handed reliever, that's not a bad thing. But uh, just disappointed to see the way this has all turned out for him. It's really a big hit to a to a career that at the end of last year we thought uh, I thought anyway had a really good chance of not being necessarily being a starting pitcher, but of being an effective, valuable major league pitcher, probably in the bullpen. But for the next few years, and that still could be the case, but it's a, a huge setback. Uh, a couple of the other pitchers, though, that we, we have mentioned here, uh, a little bit more success this week and a little bit more exciting news. C- Cody Reed yesterday, and, and I know you and I have talked about Cody Reed on this podcast. You're a big fan. Uh, he's had a rough start to his major league career, but uh, pitched pitched six good innings yesterday. Uh, gave up no earned runs. Um, didn't walk a batter. I was really – I got, got a few balls hit hard off of him, but uh, really pleased to see Cody Reed finally uh, – He finally had that. Um. Oh, look, he, he's pretty good. Start, you know, the, the one that we'd all been waiting for, where where you know, the the carriage maybe shook a little bit, but the wheels didn't come off. Um, yeah, you know, and I don't think anyone would thought that it was going to take until his sixth start to get that, but uh, it is what it is. He's you know, twenty three years old. Uh, yeah. we're, we we say it. We've said it before. We're going to keep saying it a thousand <laughs> times. You got to be patient with these guys. You got. I mean, we, Bill Lack and I on this podcast years ago used to say that about Homer Bailey and about Johnny Cueto. It's it's, it's, it's the number one theme of this podcast. I think since we started doing these, is yeah. be, be patient with these young guys. You, you just don't know enough yet to know anything. You had a post like that somewhere. I can't remember if it was on Cincinnati Magazine or Red Leg Nation, and and I know I was banging the drum for that I, uh, so I think in the comments or on Twitter or somewhere it's just you know the, the one I always go back to because it's just so classic is that Greg Maddox was terrible for his first like year and a half in Major League Baseball he was god awful and he's Greg Maddox like so you can't you got to give starting pitchers and I, I mean I think often even position players you got to give them a good year you know, especially if they're young, to get their feet underneath them and, and really figure out what kind of competition they're facing. Yeah, you're right, Greg Maddox, and that was at Cincinnati Magazine, and uh, I wish you'd have pumped it up more. I'm a little disappointed that you're not uh, boosting my content uh, more, Jason. You need to. Need to I, I think it's because your last, your last uh, 
check got lost in the mail. I'll oh, look yeah. For it. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, now, you're right. Uh, Greg Maddox was obviously the, the, the one guy that just sort of blows you away. To go look at what he did, you know. And, and, and Tom Glavin, who was also a Hall of Famer, was in that same road. Same thing, first year or two. Uh, but the two, even more recently, the two guys that, that I also compared uh, were the guys that won the Cy Young Awards last year, Jake Arrieta and uh, Dallas Keuchel. Those guys were terrible early in their career. You know, I mean, why should we think that Cody Reed, who is a great prospect, but why should we think he's going to be able to do things that, uh, you know, some of these other great pitchers? Or I guess why should we think that he's not going to develop just because he's had a rough start? It's Clearly, over Major League history, lots and lots and lots of young, like you said, not just pitchers. That's who I looked at for that piece, but uh, position players as well. Major League Baseball is hard to play. It's hard to be successful. It's hard for a kid that's 23 to do it to, uh, successfully early on. It takes some time. Uh, be patient. And even just even just beyond that, I mean, the, the kid has pitched 30 innings. <laughs> 30 innings doesn't tell you anything about anybody. It, it's, it's why you don't sign relievers to long-term contracts. Because, you know, a reliever pitches 30 to 60 innings a year, and that's a useless sample size for a pitcher. Like, it just, it just, it literally tells you nothing about his ability. Like, you know, and then on the other side of that coin, so far at least, he's striking out like 10 batters per nine innings. And, yeah, let's just, everybody just take a deep breath. Right, exactly. Slow down. Uh, good to see him finally, though. Uh, you know, he needed some success. He couldn't keep pitching poorly indefinitely and still get to stay in the major leagues. But my opinion is, I, I don't know that there's a whole lot that he can learn at AAA that he can't learn at the big league level right now. He's got to learn how to get big league hitters out. So let's let's be patient with Cody Reed. Yeah, and I can I can say just when I saw him in AAA because I've been to a lot of games at Louisville this year. Um, you know those mistake pitches that major league uh, players have been destroying. Um, when he made those in AAA, you know, he, he got outs out of those pretty frequently. So, right. So, and that's, that's exactly what you're saying. Like, it's, he's got to be like, oh, oh, wait, no, I actually can't do this. I can't get by with it. Like, if, if I lose it for one or two batters in AAA, nothing happens probably. But if I lose it for one or two batters in Cincinnati, all of, the things, all of a sudden things are ugly pretty quick. Yeah, he's got to take his stuff. He's got to take his talent. And now he's got to learn how to pitch to the best hitters in the world. Uh, and and uh, it's 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 hard to do. And so, but I I have seen nothing. He's 0-4 with a 6.75 ERA after six starts, and I have seen not one thing that has lessened my opinion of Cody Reed. And there's no reason anybody should be should be down on him at this time. Completely agree. Um, well, it's about time. You know, we, we, you and I have known each other for a while. And that's the first time you've ever agreed with me. So I'm gonna. Oh, I don't think that's the first. <laughs> you don't think so? I don't remember. No, I'm, surely it's happened at least <laughs> once or twice. Before. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Uh, what about this guy, Anthony DiSclafani, or as I like to call him, Tony Disco? How good's this guy? Isn't he just a joy? Oh, he's, he really I mean, is. Like, talk about bright spots this year and, and bright spots where I feel like we might be really seeing something that is at least somewhat likely to endure. I, like he has just had an outstanding year so far. I mean, year since he came up, came back from rehab. But boy, he's been he's been great. Well, he has. You know, uh, he had that strained oblique, and so he was out uh, for the first part of this year. And uh, he was good last year. He, all kinds of talent. But he's come back like he's not missed a beat. And not only does he come back like he's not missed a beat, and he's 5-0 and with a 2.5 ERA now, um, 
but he just looks like he has a clue on the mound. If that makes if that makes any sense, I mean, he just yeah. he really handles himself well. He he sort of looks like he knows how to craft a start. To coin a term, really, he just he looks like a number one starter. I don't want to I don't want to lay that on him uh, just yet. But uh, he was since he's come to the Reds, it's been nothing but positives, except for you know he got injured. So mm-hmm. yeah, what do you think? Can he can he be a number one guy? I mean, if he keeps putting up numbers like this, yeah, I don't, I don't see why not. Um, you know, he's he's putting up basically, you know, certainly strong number two or, or number one type numbers that that you would expect. I was, I'm, I always stare at stats while we do these, so I have them for reference, and this tells you many things about how the way the red season has gone. But he's pitched 42 innings, and he's tied for the pitching lead for wins above replacement in Reds pitchers with 0.9. Wow. That's uh, um, that's sad. Um, yeah, it's it's him and Dan Straley hanging up hanging out up there at the top. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, this question of is, is he can he be a number 1 starter? That's really sort of a you know, it's an unfair question. It's really a meaningless question in a lot of ways. I think what I'm pretty firmly convinced of at this point is I mean, you never know about health with any pitcher, but I'm I'm very firmly convinced that uh, this is real. I mean, uh, maybe not a 2.5 ERA real, but this guy is a legitimate, uh, you know, above average major league starter. Uh, just 26 yeah. years old, and, and and they got him for for Matt Latos, who uh, well, I don't know whatever happened to that guy, but uh, just a a beautiful trade, and uh, love having this guy around. I've heard some people call for him to be traded. Um. I'm having a difficult time jumping on board that one. I I can't understand why why you would trade why you would trade him. It, it makes I mean it may, he's exactly what the Reds should want right now. We've got like control for what four more years. Yeah, I think so. I, I think after this year and like which is right into when they're supposed to be competitive again. He looks like a three and a half to five win pitcher, which is what everybody needs. Like no, I, I there's literally literally no reason to trade him at all if you are at all serious about about being competitive in the near future yeah I, you know i keep seeing that and i just can't it, i can't wrap my brain around it he's he's 26 i mean it's you know everybody thinks well you know we're rebuilding so we got to trade our good players to get uh, to get prospects you know and yeah okay that that's part of it but it's not you're not just trading your good players you're trading good players here's the way i look at it that are not going to be uh, on the next good Reds team. And and I don't see yes. any reason why, uh, I mean, De Stefani may not be. The Reds may be in rebuilding mode for 10 years. I, I hope not. I think there's certainly a light at the end of the tunnel much sooner than that. I think De Stefani's a guy, he's cheap, he's young. Ride him. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've said um, publicly in column form that I think the Reds have a uh, a realistic shot at finishing second in the Central next year. Which is largely because I think the division after the Cubs is weak, but I think the Reds. I think the Reds next year will be a 500 team. I heard someone. I don't know if it was uh, Lance McAllister or Mo Egger on the radio uh, yesterday or the day before say something about, uh, "Oh, the Reds are not going to compete next year." And I thought, "Oh, I need to send them Jason's column about how the Reds are going to finish second next year." Um, you're, you know, you weren't necessarily bidding the ranch on that but i think you're right in terms of it's a it could happen yeah i mean i think next year is kind of you know this year we all came in being like okay they're gonna stink we know they're gonna stink and that's cool 
but they're going to stink in service of a larger goal. And, you know, let's see, let's see what it does. I was, um, you know, looking back at, at recent years and that recent run they had. And, and if you go back and you look at um, the second half of 2009, they were actually not a bad team in the second half. They didn't make the playoffs. They finished under 500. They were mediocre. But the second half, especially the last few months, if I'm remembering, remembering right, they were pretty good. And then 2010 happened. Um, you know, so I, I'm watching very closely the, I'm going to be watching them very closely the second half of this year. And I really do think, I really do think they will be a 500 team next year with the prospects who, who are coming along and presumably will eventually play. Um, and with just the night and day change in the pitching staff that, that frankly should be just about done now. Like I, I think what, what we're seeing now is getting reasonably close to what we'll see next year. It's not there all the way, but it's, it's a heck of a lot closer than where we were back at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I think there's a, uh, you know, Homer Bailey, but maybe one uh, or two more starts. I think he started today, uh, as a matter of fact. I didn't see how that went. Uh, how'd that go today? Did you, did you see um, he, It wasn't in Louisville. I, I saw stuff on Twitter. Um, I, he threw 83 pitches. Um, I, I recall that he gave up three home runs, um, which people weren't real excited about. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure. I haven't seen reports on it yet. I do know um, the the time I was able to talk to Homer after um, one of his rehab starts, he'd given up a home run and made a point of saying that he was really trying to to make sure he didn't walk anybody, kind of working on control. And, you know, that kind of had resulted in a home run for him because he sort of refused to walk somebody. And I gather he kind of, if he, if he was going to miss, he was going to miss in the strike zone and he missed in the strike zone. Um, so that might have been what we saw today. It might not have, obviously. I don't know. I wasn't there. But, um, but yeah, I gather he, he pitched about as many pitches as you would want him to have, but the results weren't necessarily great. And I, I assume they're probably helping next time out. He has good results and a good number of pitches, and then up, up north he goes. Yeah, and you say up north, because, and that's a pretty good uh, phrasing because he's sort of, I think what his point was, I believe, he's using this a little bit of spring training, which it really is for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, at some point, he is going to have to have results, uh, but they're expecting one, maybe two more starts, uh, I would think, at the most, if everything goes according to plan. Uh, and so he'll be up, and so you'll have Homer Bailey, uh, Anthony DiSclefani, Cody Reed, Brandon Finnegan, uh, and, of course, Straley as well. But four of those guys, Finnegan, DiSclefani, Reed, and, and Homer, are guys that have a pretty good chance of being uh, in your rotation next year. Who that other guy is going to be, whether it's Amir Garrett or Robert Stevenson or, or Straley, it could be, I don't know. Rosella Iglesias is who I hope it is, but uh, I'm worried about whether that's ever going to happen. Um, yeah, you're starting to see the, this rotation that we're talking about, the, the next Good Reds rotation. You're starting to see it taking shape. And that's to me, that's a huge reason to be excited about the second half of this year. Watch these guys. Yeah, I've I've really started to wonder if Garrett is going to get a call up. I, I you know I don't think most of us thought he would be there, but I, I've read a couple of things where, I, and I read at least one article where the Reds kind of didn't say that he wouldn't be up. You know, they they didn't say they were asked, and they didn't say he would, but they didn't say he wouldn't either. And uh, boy, he 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 had one sort of shaky getting used to it start his first start in AAA, and ever since then he's just been lights out. Um, to the point where you kind of wonder if if he's hit that point where, like Cody Reed, he's got nothing else to learn, and is it time to time to bring him up? You know, uh, I, I kind of selfishly hope that it takes a little bit just so I can watch him uh, watch him pitch more easily for a little bit because he's pretty fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, he's just he's something else, and uh, he's a guy that's really 
uh, sort of, as you alluded to, he's forced his way into the conversation here. Uh, I talked about the young pitchers uh, in a piece I wrote uh, before the season, and I just sort of mentioned it, but didn't really, didn't really give a whole lot of uh, time to him because you know I thought he was he wouldn't be here maybe <clears throat> maybe by the, sometime midseason next year. And the reason for that is this is a guy that played Division One college basketball. He has uh, has didn't have as much experience as a lot of guys still learning to pitch. But since he's uh, started uh, with baseball full time. Man, it's been he's he's shooting up the uh, I think over two levels. His ERA is one point seven two. I think I saw today uh, over Double A AA and Triple A this year. And and if he keeps doing what he's doing at Triple A, you know how how can they keep from bringing him up? I yeah, I mean you know I think at the beginning of the year, you know it's it's interesting that how how in some ways like Robert Stevenson's stock has dropped, and it's not because of anything Robert Stevenson has done. It's been because of how good. Cody Reed and Amir Garrett have been that I, I I feel like personally from what I've seen that Stevenson's kind of like the number three prospect in the system now, <laughs> and he's been by all the ranking lists number one pitching prospect uh, for a few years now, or at least a couple years. And and you're right, Stevenson's not had a, a great year like those other guys. He's had a reasonable year, about the year you would expect. I would think he's having some issues with control, but uh, I don't have any reason to be down on Robert Stevenson. I mean, he's still, no, he's, not at all. yeah, yeah, great prospect. But, these, but Cody Reed and, and Amir Garrett have just shot uh into outer space here just uh and and that's exciting that's that's the most exciting thing about this rebuild is watching guys like that and guys that are got a chance to be stars seeing these guys uh, make their debut and really um I, you know i said yesterday that I, i've had more fun watching this team probably than any team since maybe even 2012 any reds team and that's why these young guys seeing them uh seeing them debut and, and seeing this team starting to take shape yeah they've stunk <laughs> this year but I don't know. I'm having a good time watching them. I, I, I may be uh, clinically insane, but it is what it is. No, I actually I agree. I mean, especially now that we are hitting that point where where the team is starting to head where it's going to be, it, it's just like okay, let's see what the kids do. You know, I don't even pay attention to the to the record really. I'm just like, well, let's you know, how's this player hitting it right now, and how's the pitcher? You know, you just look at individual stats and kind of think, well, what does that mean for next year? And and then you go on about your day. Yeah, you know, uh, may get Jesse Winker sometime soon. Uh, Amir Garrett, maybe. Ah, this is, uh, there are a lot of fun young guys on this team, and uh, I think they're a better product than we've seen. I think they're going to win more games the second half, as we've said. Uh, probably the single biggest, to shift gears just a little bit, the single biggest <clears throat> disappointment of the season, uh, with the exception of Alfredo Simon, who I know you had on your fantasy team. Um, ugh. <sighs> Yeah, let's not do, let's not go there. I hope uh, we've seen his last day in a Reds uniform. Um, Devin Mesoraco. Ah, oh, Devin. I know, I know. Uh, Mesoraco seems like just the best guy, I and mean, he really does. But he had uh, surgery on his other hip. He'd already had surgery on the the uh, I guess on his left hip last year uh, for that hip impingement that caused him to miss most of the year. Uh, he had surgery on his other hip, his right hip, I guess, this week. Um, and he's had surgery in the meantime as well on his shoulder. Did they need to get the other shoulder just to make sure they get all? They might as well. Maybe they should replace both knees while they're at it too. Uh, poor guy. I mean, all-star yeah. season, and then now he's since that all-star season, he started I think eighteen games. I saw in two years. It's. I feel, and you, like you said, it's not like we're not we're not angry at at Devin Mezzarocco, which you just feel awful for the guy. Oh, I hate it. It's really one of the worst things that uh, I've seen happen to this team because it is a guy that's a hard worker and that is just a fun guy to watch. And he finally came into his own after being the number one draft pick. And 
Oh man. Uh, the, the Reds, you know, Dr. Krimchak and, and the Reds were saying after the surgery that they think it's going to make him more athletic and that he should be able to come right back. And there's no reason he shouldn't be able to catch when he gets back next year. But gosh, I, I'm skeptical if this guy's ever going to catch again in the major leagues, uh, at least on a regular basis. And well, if he can't if, catch, where does he play? If Devin, if Devin Mazzarocco returns and is anything close to an everyday catcher, then you will know that you are watching a charmed red season. <laughs> that would be. And there's nothing against Devin Mazzarocco. I feel awful for him, but I, you know, he's had a hundred at bats and or plate appearances in like two years. And oh boy, yeah, that's when you'll know they're a team of destiny next year on their way to the playoffs. <laughs> if uh, he's your starting catcher, it's just, um, you know, he'll be 29 next year, I believe. And I mean. I just can't think where where they can play him if he's not a catcher. We've already got a first – well, yeah, we got a first baseman signed for next year. Um, I couldn't remember, but, yeah, it turns out yeah, – Some Votto kid. Yeah, yeah they, he, he signed for next year, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, and so, I don't know where else. Right field? Uh. I, I, I suspect I, – I suspect, and I'm on record as heavily suspecting, the Reds are going to need another outfielder at some point who is not named Winker or Hamilton. Uh, you think so? <laughs> Maybe. I, I, I suspect. Uh, are, are, are we already forgetting? All-star and home run derby participant, Adam Duvall. Um, we, we are not forgetting, but um, <laughs> what we are doing is, as I talk over myself uh, scrolling through things real quickly, <laughs> is um, uh, wanting to acknowledge that his OPS in July is 638. Uh, that's not great. No. That's not great. Yeah, you know, we we always thought because uh, the, the number one indicator, obviously, is that on-base percentage below 300 all year and, and, mm-hmm. and the strikeout numbers. We always figured he was due for a correction. I can't wait to see how many people blame it on the home run derby, though. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm I, I beat the sample size drum all the time, and I you know I'm, I'm certainly not pronouncing Adam Duvall's time as a productive hitter over based on on half of a July, but I know that when I and I haven't by any means like sort of watched every game this month or anything, but when I've been watching him play, it has seemed to me all of a sudden like pitchers are really adjusting. Um, I feel like he's been seeing a lot more stuff outside the strike zone and often swinging at it, which is kind of what, what I had kind of been saying, this is probably going to happen because he doesn't seem to have great plate discipline. Um, and, and if that keeps happening, if they keep throwing outside the strike zone and he keeps going after it, then, then that's going to be a problem. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what's to be said about uh, Duvall. He is what he is. He's a low on-base guy that can run into a home run occasionally. Uh, he's not your – he's not – I know people don't want to hear this, but he's not your starting left fielder for the Reds for the next five years. Uh, and the thing that we, uh, he's about to turn 28. I mean, 17 you know, months younger than Jay Bruce. Right. <laughs> like, you know, it's one thing there's been, um, Suarez has been getting a lot of flack. Um, cause he's had a pretty rough year, uh, in, in a lot of avenues, but Suarez is a lot younger than Adam Duvall, you know, and I, with, with somebody, that age who, who still really doesn't have a time, a, a ton of time in, in, in the majors. Like I'm much more willing to be like, you know, let's just, let's wait a little bit and kind of see what happens. Whereas with Adam Duvall, I kind of 
you kind of have to assume that what you see is what you get because he's not getting any better. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's right around where his peak would be and uh, where Suarez, well, you can live with uh, some poor performance at his age, 24, because, well, it's a rebuilding year, and that's what this year's for. Let's see what we got here. So, I don't know. So, you're right. They're going to need another outfielder, but can Miserocco play outfield? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a valid question. <laughs> um, he's, not, uh, he's not particularly uh, quick in the best of circumstances. I guess you, you don't have to cover as much ground if you have Billy Hamilton beside you, but... Well, and you know, along those lines, and I look, Jesse Winker is ready, major league. Like he's major league ready. That kid can hit. He's ready now. He is not fleet of foot, and he is not going to cover a lot of ground in the outfield. So if you put Hamilton in between Winker and Mezzarocco, you you may be testing even Billy's limits. <laughs> um, well, let me ask you this: uh, if you have an opinion on it. Let's say we get to next spring, and you've got four quote-unquote outfielders. Uh, you've got Adam Duvall, you've got Jesse Winker, you've got Billy Hamilton, and you've got Devin Miserocco. And those are the guys that are on your uh, on your roster. H- how do you play them? I mean, I'd start Miserocco, Hamilton, and Winker every day, and Adam Duvall can be the fourth outfielder. Uh, yeah, I, I want them to revisit uh, third base. I know Duvall was a disaster uh, in San Francisco at third base, but I want Duvall at third base. I want... Suarez at second base. I want uh, Jose Peraza. You may have heard of him. He's been on the team, but he didn't get to play. Um, you may have him at shortstop. That's what I want to see next year. Uh, Winker in the outfield. I guess Mezzarocco. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, somebody I would keep an eye on still, and he's kind of fallen off the radar, is Philip Irvin, who's had pretty solid numbers. He kind of fell off, I guess, in Pensacola. But but he's still somebody who could come along. Um, but then we've also got to remember with you know, you're, you're, you're saying maybe Duval at third, that the reports I've seen say that Nick Senzel could potentially be ready mid to late next year. Wow. He's a third baseman. He, he has, you know, and you're talking about the uh, number one draft pick this year, uh, Senzel out of the University of Tennessee, the Reds picked second overall, and I think was universally praised uh, for that. The Reds were universally praised for that selection. He's a guy that uh, understands the strike zone, has some pop, and, uh, and pretty good defensively has been the reports. And you're right, he has hit the ground running in his professional career. Yeah, he really is looking good. And, uh, wow, uh, if he could be available next year, all of a sudden, you know? All of a sudden. Not to not to pull a Tom Brenneman-ism out on us, but all of a sudden, some of these holes are starting to get filled. And, yeah, I mean, I'm, I may or may not have done a happy dance in my chair when they picked Nick Senzel, um, just because it is such a departure from what sort of the organizational – the organizational like focus on tools that has been so inherent in in the last several years to just get somebody who understands the strike zone and you know so far and granted blah blah sample size sample size but he has currently 14 walks and 16 strikeouts and the more players the Reds can have who walk as much as they strike out the better they will be. Oh yeah, and I remember seeing you tweet just before the draft that that's the guy you you wanted them to get, and it's uh, it it is a bit of a departure, but uh, it's exactly the type of guy they need in their in their lineup. And this is a guy never, never do what I want them to do. <laughs> no, it's about time. I don't know what I'm talking about. It's fun. <laughs> it happens every once in a while. Yeah, you stumble into one every once in a while. So I you know I don't know if uh, next year or not, but he you know he's a he's a college guy. He played in the Southeastern Conference, which is a uh, a pretty good uh, college baseball conference. It's not the Atlantic Coast Conference, home of the Virginia Cavaliers, 2015 <laughs> national champions, but uh, 
but it's a, no, it's a good college conference, and uh, he's the type of guy that you would think would be able to jump in pretty quickly. And people keep throwing uh, Chris Bryant's name out as a, an example. Um, let's not start comparing him to Chris Bryant, but um, it'd be great. That'd be cool though. <laughs> oh man, can you imagine? That's, so it's like uh, uh, Jesse Winker reportedly has a Brian Giles ceiling. So if we can get. <laughs> Chris Bryant at third and, and Brian Giles out there and right or left or wherever, then, uh, then, that, then that might be a pretty good team. Yeah, sign me up for that. Sign me up for that. Um, and then, of course, uh, because it's going to be our team of destiny next year, uh, Devin Mesoraco, 25 home run and 80 RBI, Devin Mesoraco uh, playing right field. So. Oh my! If if all of that would happen, I think that I think that Reds Twitter would just collectively explode. Oh, yeah, there would be no more Reds Twitter. Um, what would you complain about? Oh, I'm sure they'd find something to complain about. Billy Hamilton's what they'll complain about. I'm sick of fighting that battle, man. Everybody's beating me down over Billy Hamilton. I mean, I, I agree with you on Billy. I, I, he's not a superstar right now, but man, I love that guy. I love that guy. He's making progress, I think. But anyway, I've spent, I spend way too much time talking about Billy Hamilton. I gotta, I gotta lay off it a little bit. Uh, just uh, since we're, uh, we want to make sure we are a, a completist when it comes to giving all the Reds news of note uh, in the last week. John Moskett, you know, a guy that I thought had a chance of sneaking his way in, maybe not as a fifth starter, uh, but as a bullpen guy, swing guy, yeah. something like that. I mean, I thought he had a good enough arm that he could put himself in the mix to be on the next good Reds team. Underwent Tommy John surgery this week and uh, wish him a, as speedy a recovery as he can get. But that's that's a tough break. That guy's just yeah. one bad break after another. It, it's gonna... it's also one of those things that had happened, and, and my immediate reaction was, well, that explains a lot. Right, right, exactly. He, he hadn't been pitching like he should have been pitching, and, and I, it's another one where I'd seen him in Louisville several times, and it just hadn't, it, you know, it just wasn't right. And he just clearly didn't look right. And, um, yeah, it was like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. he was hurt. Well, he was giving up ten. He gave up ten home runs in uh, twenty-one innings, and just was that wasn't the John Moscott that uh, even the, even just from his time in Cincinnati before this year, uh, before he got hurt last year. I mean, he was a kid that had put up good numbers in in uh, the minors, and you thought could be a decent big leaguer, and still hopefully will be. Um, you know, Moscott's just twenty-four, so uh, yeah. But uh, just a tough break for for that kid. He's had you know, he got hurt last year on the base pads, I believe. I recall hurt his shoulder diving back into second, I think, and. Just another bad break. But it, you're right, it does explain some things. The the fact that, that John Moscott is only 24, I don't know why this sort of jogged this in my head, but it did. I, I was looking at things last year, or not last year, earlier this year, and it dawned on me that aside from Joey Votto, it's entirely possible there will be no one on the roster next year who's over 30. Oh, how wrong you are, Jason. There's that one player. Oh, there's one guy that's going to be the starting second baseman. Should we get to that now? Let's let's go ahead and dig into the question of the show. What should the Reds do with Hall of Fame, Team Hall of Fame, Reds Hall of Fame second baseman Brandon Phillips? They should cut him. Wow. Jason, Brandon is one of the best players in Reds history. He certainly is, and he's had a wonderful decade, and his time as a good baseball player is over. Oh, time marches on. It happens to the best of us. Uh, you know, I did some digging about Phillips, and, uh, and of course, you know, uh, a lot of people dislike Phillips. A lot of people love Phillips. Everybody's got their opinion on, on Brandon Phillips. I think everyone will agree that he's been uh, one of the top two or three uh, second basemen in the history of the Reds, and I think as I looked it up, only maybe seven guys since 1900 have had more 
uh, played more games or got more played appearances for the Reds. Uh, seven guys at, at any position. So, I mean, let's hey, tip your cap to this guy. Really good career, an all-star career, and then I'll be happy to see uh, him get his red jacket when he gets inducted into the Reds Hall of Fame. The Reds have had, count them, zero primary starters at second base who were age 36. Uh, going back to 1900, they've never had a starter at second base. Um, you know, a spot start here and there, a, a Juan Castro wow. occasion, things like that. But a guy that's their starting second base never had one that's age 36, which is what Phillips will be next year. Well, and there's a good reason for that because there haven't been that many in the history of baseball. Right, right. 35 is kind of a magical age for a second baseman because second base, second base is such a weird position. Um, you know, it's kind of the, the all of the shortstops who weren't quite good enough to stick at shortstop. Um, and, and so they kind of age out. Um, it, it's really true, and that's certainly been the case throughout Red's history as well. And as I started digging, I saw there were only two other guys who'd even start at age 35 like, like Brandon is now. And those two, uh, yeah, I said earlier about Brandon being one of the top two or three Reds ever, and the other two guys are the other top Reds second baseman in history. Lonnie Fry from the uh, from the 30s and 40s, and uh, a key, key player on those uh, – 1939 National League champions and the, the 1940 Reds World Series champions. The other guy's a guy you may have heard of. He played for the Big Red Machine. His name was Joe Morgan. Uh, pretty good player. It, it rings. It rings a bell. But it that's that's, <laughs> yeah, that's what struck me. Joe Morgan started at second base for the Reds at age 35. He was a like a 2.9 win player, something like that. You know, still effective. Oh, Chad, I got I got to interrupt you here because I just looked something up and and it's pop quiz time and you're going to be amazed by what the actual answer is. Oh, I can't wait! Let's hear it. In the history of baseball, in the history of baseball, how many players do you think there are who have had at least one season where they qualified for the batting title at second base at the age of 36 or older? Fifty. Twenty-eight. Gosh. In the history. And we're talking not just the Reds. We're talking like, every team. Since 1871. Oh, my goodness. 20. Right? Yeah. I, I was like, I, I'm just curious. I think that's pretty rare. Let me look it up real quick. Wow. And, yeah, that 28 ever. Okay. And so you have to ask, what about Brandon Phillips is there that makes you think he should be number 29? Uh, you okay. know? And it's not it's not his performance on the field. He's been below replacement level this year. And, again, I, I know it sounds like we're criticizing Brandon Phillips. We're not. He's had a great career. This is what it is. It happens. No, I'll, I'll actually tell you who I am kind of criticizing right now. That was the Reds' front office. Oh, yes. Because Jockety and Price, and if I'm mistaken on this, tell me, but I don't think I am, have both said that Peraza is blocked as long as Phillips is here, which makes no sense at all. And that you're, <laughs> there's no explanation for that. None. He's not blocked here. Make the decision. It's time for a difficult decision to be made. Uh, oh. and, and you also have to say, Jockety's the one who handed out, although it may have been more Bob Castellini, handed out a contract extension through uh, age 36 season for uh, uh, Brandon Phillips. But the one thing that really just sort of chafes at me is that Joe Morgan, the Reds cut him loose. After his age 35 season, Joe Morgan, maybe the best second baseman in the history of baseball, certainly the best Reds second baseman. They cut him loose. They let him go uh, after his age 35 year. 
why should we have such an affinity for Brandon Phillips? Why should emotion get in the way that uh, Brandon Phillips is treated differently than Joe Morgan was? It's there's no reason. I mean, somebody at the very least, they need to sit Phillips down and say, we appreciate everything you have done for the organization, but we've got this kid coming and he's the second baseman of the future or shortstop perhaps even, but he needs a place to play. And we are happy to have you on as, you know, a bench player and somebody, you know what? I bet Brandon Phillips would actually be really fabulous at helping young players, you know, middle infielders with, with fielding technique. I mean, I, he's, he's one of the most enjoyable sec- people to watch play second base ever. Yeah. Like, you know, try at least, try to talk him into accepting the role, you know, and, and if he doesn't, and if he, you know, if he wants to be kind of grumbly or, or refuse to accept the diminished role, then, then cut him loose. But like, Man, it's it's time. Yeah, yeah. You you really just can't let emotion get in here. Jose Peraza may not be, he may not be anything. He may just be a utility guy. It may just be his what he is. But you know, he's twenty two. We're not going to know. Now's the time to be playing him to find out uh, whether he's going to be a guy that can be valuable. It just and and you say cut him, and that seems harsh, but they're going to be paying him either way. It's a sunk cost. Yeah. yeah. If he's going to cause problems, I'm sorry. It, it, every career comes to an end. Uh, it just that's the way it is, and and Brandon Phillips is no exception to the, to the rule. And if he's not producing, and, and he had two chances this last season to go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he could have been a, a, the starting second baseman. Boy, the Nationals have to be breathing a sigh of relief, but because yeah, they, they yeah. got Murphy, who's been fantastic, but could have been the starting second baseman on a on a possible playoff team. But and and I don't fault him, but he he earned the right not to be traded. I, you know, he could make that choice, but. Uh, it's just turning out as poorly as you could have uh, imagined it would. I, my personal opinion is that the Reds are they're waiting. I think they're going to see if they can trade Zach Cozart to avoid having to upset Brandon Phillips. I really believe this, and it blows my mind that I'm actually saying it. And then they'll put Peraza at shortstop uh, to give him a place yeah, to play. That's, that's actually not a bad point. I mean, if Cozart does get traded, they, I mean, they do kind of have right now sort of one fewer players ready than they really need to fill the short second and third base kind of spots. Um, so if, you know, if they trade Cozart and then they need somebody to play short, then you might as well play Phillips um, at second. And the, the thing that just utterly blew my mind was when Phillips, and he still is hurt, right? With the broken hand, that hasn't healed all the way yet. And then he hurt his leg, and he's still playing every day. And it's like you have one of the top prospects in the system sitting on the bench, and he plays second base. Yeah. Started in left field today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it just, it, it's, it's complete insanity. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if, say, they're unable to trade Zach Cozart, then the Reds make that, immediately after the trade deadline, make that decision. And, um, and That's an interesting fiction, and I would not be surprised if it came true. Yeah, well, we'll see. Um, I I don't know. They may want to move. Uh, they may want to move Suarez back over to short uh, if they trade Cozart. I don't know what they've got in their mind, but uh, I, I have I have big opinions about that. If you want to, hear. <laughs> why not? We got a couple minutes here. I uh, I really think if if I were running if I were running the Reds right now, this is what I would do. No one's going to listen to me. Again, file this under. Jason doesn't know what he's talking about. But what I would do right now is I would go ahead and cut bait with Brandon Phillips. 
And if you can get Zach Cozart traded, you trade him, much as I do enjoy Zach Cozart. And then you put Peraza at short, where I think he's good enough to stick. And you move Suarez back over to second base, where I think he's much better suited. And then you fill the gap at third. And for me, having seen him in the field several times now and to continue to boost him, I'd put Jermaine Curtis at third base for half a season and then see how long it takes Nick Senzel to get ready. And then when Senzel's ready, Jermaine Curtis can be a utility guy. Uh, I I would sign on on to that. Where do I f- find the legislation that I can sign? Find the petition. I'll uh, I'll I'll boost that. And, you know, we had a little Twitter exchange a while ago talking about fun above replacement, and that infield that I would just mention would be a whole heck of a lot more fun than what they're running out there right now. Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, I think probably if, if if I were making the decisions, and that's this is even worse than the idea of you making the decision. I would do uh, most of that. Phillips would be on the bench. Uh, and if he couldn't accept that, he, he can go wherever he wants to go and go home. Um, I would have Suarez at second. I would have Peraza at short. I would. I would. I just want to see him. I know that I, it may not work. I want to see Duvall at third. Um, and I can see. I can totally see the case for that. At least give him a shot there and see what we see. Yeah, because uh, if he, you know, he might be able to hold it down until until uh, Sensel's ready, and then you can get that, that creates room for. For Winker, of course. Now, if if Jay Bruce is traded, then there's going to be room for Winker anyway. But I mean, there's there's no if on Jay Bruce. Um, I I mean, I haven't seen anybody who vaguely has reason to know say anything other than Jay Bruce will be traded. Jay Bruce will not be traded. Now, of course, I have no reason to know, but I'm telling you, he's not going to be traded. They're going to sign him to an extension for four years, just because it's going to make me happy. And this is why I should not be running a baseball team. Yeah, me either, because I would be cool with that. Right now, if I were in charge, I would probably be like, so, Jay, four years, what do you think? Yeah. We, we take it, yeah. I would do that. And it's it's, it's emotional, and it's, it's certainly, uh, there's a great argument. That's a terrible idea for the for the organization. But, yeah, that, that, that's what I'd do. Um, I just hope they can get something in return for him. I'm, I'm really concerned that he's not going to not going to bring much and uh i don't know uh that'll be that'll be pretty frustrating for me just because i like the guy yeah so much he's so affable he's very affable completely affable i mean i i I will say and i may have said it here before i know i've said it in other places i repeat myself a lot it's it's what comes (laughs) to being a teacher i just tell the same stories over and over again to different audiences um but you know did I just completely lose track of what I was going to say? I might have. <laughs> what were we talking about? Uh, we were talking about Jay Bruce and why he shouldn't be traded and uh, why I'd be a terrible GM. I don't know. I, I had a really good one. I was going to say it. Now it's just gone. It's All just right. Well, interrupt me when it comes back. But I think okay. the, the question of the show is what should the Reds do with uh, Brandon Phillips? I think we're both on the same page. Yeah. Uh, at the very least, he needs to go to the bench immediately. Not to, not to yesterday. Well, it should have been yesterday, but uh, not tomorrow, not a week from now. It should have been when he broke his hand. Yes, absolutely. It should have been when Jose Peraza came up. I mean, isn't that a – wouldn't that have been a perfect time? And, of course, it would have been a perfect time to to say, all right, let's give Peraza a shot here, let Brandon heal up. Uh, And, of course, Brandon is not dumb. Brandon sees the writing on the wall. He hears what everyone's saying, and that's why he's trying to play hurt. He thinks he's about to get Wally pipped. Um, and he is. I mean, well, yeah, but it's less why if it's when, right? Does he think he's going to be the starting segments forever? No. Um, I mean, I don't. I don't fault the guy for wanting to hang on to what he's got. I, mean, I really don't. I mean, you can't. That's why. I'd, if I'm a 35 year old guy, first of all, I'd be happy because I'd be younger than I am now. But if I were a 35, uh, almost 36 year old guy, and 
my time is dwindling down, I'd be trying to hang on to every last at bat and every last second. I, I would. I don't fault Brandon for wanting to play, but somebody has to be in charge in this organization, and somebody's got to make these tough decisions, and it should not be Brandon Phillips' decision to make whether he's in the lineup every day. Yeah, I mean, baseball players and, and I think athletes in general are, are famously terrible at playing long after long after the, the ability to play at the necessary level has deserted them. And, uh, yeah, that's why you got to have people in the front office saying, you know, no, uh, yeah, yeah, thank you for your time. Right, yeah. I mean, I, I, again, that's what I would do if I were one of these guys. I'd be trying to put on that uniform every day someone would let me put it on for as long as they let me put it on. So, yeah, I mean, it comes down to Brian Price has to make that decision. And, and the front office has to back him up or, or the front office has to tell him. Uh, Walt Jockety and Dick Williams have to say, okay, enough's enough. Uh, we got this kid who we traded Todd Frazier for who was one of the most popular guys in town. We It's time to see what we got here, whether this is a guy that can help us. So. I don't know. I don't think I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't think it happens before the trade deadline, anyway. So if, if yeah, it may, I, I, it may happen I, afterwards. All right. Well, uh, that's just about uh, all we got here. There was one last. Well, is there anything else you wanted to talk about before I get into our last topic? Um, I don't know. Were we going to talk about how wonderful and super dreamy Joey Votto has been lately? Oh yes, yes. And we skipped right over that. Man, that guy, he's a good baseball player. He's good at baseball. <laughs> wow. Uh, he's, he's, and he's dreamy, and he's just, oh, gosh. <laughs> it's ugly, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. We get to watch Joey Votto play for our favorite team. How lucky are we? I mean, really, that's something that I, I know you and I, and I have both been saying for years. Is, oh, you, Reds fans, you need to understand this, is, this doesn't come around all the time. We, you don't get a chance to watch a guy who just is a master of his craft uh, play every day for our team. Uh, and, and Joey Votto, he, I don't know what was going on the first two months. It was, I don't know. I, I'd like to know the story on that. Um, but you look around now and he's the most productive Reds hitter for the season. He's just, uh, By quite a bit now. <laughs> like he's, he really is starting to lap the competition. Yeah. He's, he's blowing by everyone. And, let me pull those stats back up. I had them up a minute ago, but uh, yeah, it's... since uh, since June first, Joey Votto, and this does not count today when he improved his numbers further. But uh, since June first, he's hitting three forty six, getting on base four ninety one, and slugging five forty nine. Yeah, his on base percentage for the season is now uh, it's it keeps going higher, but it's uh, around four oh five or something today. I think after today's game. That- uh, there was uh, I was I, I, I every day I kind of get up and, and look at Joey Votto's numbers getting better because they make me happy, and uh, I was looking at the first baseman leaderboards today, and there is a grand total of one first baseman in Major League Baseball currently who has a better W run created plus, which okay fancy stat, but basically how far above or below average are you? Their their number there. There's one. One first baseman in all of baseball right now whose W runs created plus for the season is above Joey Votto's career number. Wow. That, yeah, that's that's saying something. And you can only Joey imagine. He's really good. <laughs> he is. And, and, and there's reason to hope that by the end of the season, if he has another second half, like it's looked like he's having, but if he can match, he maybe can't match it, but come somewhere close to what he did last year. Well, look up at the end of the year, and you'll be like, "Wait a minute!" And he and he really was in a slump for two months, uh, you know, yeah. or 
it's well, and you know, he had a pretty terrible slump last year too. Um, you he, know, last he, year, like his slump to start this year was worse than last year's, but only by a little bit. Um, the timing was a little different, and I, you know, I know that surprised me when I looked at it. And then just kind of when I think we were all, it had gone on long enough that all of us were starting to panic at least a little bit. I was looking at things, and I, I'd never realized this, but Joey Bottle really has been very much a second-half player for most of his career. Um, his numbers in the second half are a lot better for his career than in the first half, which surprised me because I hadn't noticed it before. And when he gets in these streaks like now, though, uh, and we talk about streaky players with Jay Bruce all the time, but Votto's streaks last months and months and months. Uh, but when he's hit, locked in like he is now, there's no hitter in baseball that I would rather watch because you talk about a master at uh, of his craft. Just, I love the guy. I wish uh, I wish he didn't check out on defense sometimes. Um, <laughs> yeah, his defense is just—it's an adventure. <laughs> yeah, but he's your first baseman. You're not expecting yeah. that guy to be a great defender, but he's—it's an adventure. I mean, sometimes he the other day he made a couple of great plays. So. There's just, he's, you know, Joey Votto plays first base in some ways kind of like Jay Bruce hits. It's like, wow, or oh. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, I, and I, I just keep thinking about uh, Ted Williams' reputation was that he'd be out in the left field and, uh, you know, he'd be, have his glove under his arm and working on his swing <laughs> out, in, out in the left field. Um, and, and Votto's not doing that, but these guys are paid to uh, produce at the plate, and so he's certainly doing that, and it's just fun to watch. Joey yeah, Votto. It's, it's a joy. Man. Oh, can we just sit here and think about Joey Votto for a little bit longer? I, I do this every day. <laughs> That's it's a great. The best, it's the best way to start your day. Pour a cup of coffee, see what Joey Votto did yesterday in context, and then just go, well, that's nice. Oh, man. Yeah, in an often uh, depressing world, that's a pretty good way to start each and every day. Get a smile on your face. Uh, well, I'm glad I'm glad we got into Joey Votto. That is something I had on my list and skipped. Right, how could I skip right over Votto? I don't know. But uh, one last thing I wanted to just very briefly touch on is that uh, the Hall of Fame induction ceremony is going to be happening this week, and our old friend Ken Griffey Jr. going into the Hall of Fame. And uh, I know people got down on Junior for his after his career in Cincinnati. He was hurt all the time, and he wasn't the same uh, kid as he was in Seattle, but. Man, I love I love me some Ken Griffey Jr. and I'm really happy to see him getting honored. And I'm glad that the Reds have have tried to honor him for what uh, he did with the Reds uh, during his time here. I wish that he'd been well. This is the same with every Reds star over the years. I wish since the Big Red Machine anyway. I wish he'd been treated a little better, but mm-hmm. uh, but really happy for for Junior. Any thoughts about Ken Griffey Jr.? You know, I don't know that I really have that many. He was, you know, his his Reds career was kind of enigmatic, and and it was just, you, you know, you kind of he, he's actually kind of a really good example of uh, the front office kind of not yeah. saying what needed to be said, you know, which was, you know, what maybe you should play right field. Right. Yeah, you're exactly right. Because if you if you look especially at the way his defense declined late in his career, oh, it was really really brutal. Because he was he was hitting. When he was healthy, boy, I mean, poor man just destroyed his legs. But when he was on the field, he hit. I mean, he hit almost his entire time he was with the Reds. Um, it was just the defense that killed things. Yeah, yeah. So, But uh, all-time great. Really happy to see him. And uh, he's not going to probably have a Reds uh, cap on. Uh, I, uh, oh, actually, I do. I have a good uh, sort of uh, Griffey anecdote here. Um, this came, comes from one of the, uh, the people in the BATS organization who I've been able to talk to. Um, 
that apparently, uh, at one point, for obvious reasons, Barry Larkin was in Louisville and, and talking to some people, and um, somebody asked him if, uh, if Griffey had uh, called him or said anything to him around sort of the Hall of Fame vote or whatever. And he was like, yeah, you know, he called me, and he, and he, and he said, do you think I'll get in? <laughs> and he was serious. And it's just like, that's, that's such an excellent little story, you know, uh, of how human everyone is where even King Griffey Jr. Is like, Oh, I hope I make it. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, that is a, that's a, that is a great anecdote. And, and, and I've heard a lot of stories over the years. He always got some, a little bit of a, a criticism for being aloof or things like that. But I've heard so many stories about what a great guy he was to his teammates and to the people around the organization. And, um, I think probably he's a he's a really funny, really neat guy to to get to know, and that's that's pretty good uh, pretty good story that illustrates that. So congratulations, King Griffey Jr. I hope that Joey Votto joins you in Cooperstown someday. All right, uh, Jason, you ready to call this one uh, call this one quits? I, I think I think that's good enough for me. If it's good enough for you, yeah, I think we've sort of beat this one to death, and I think you fulfilled your obligation to RedLegNation.com today. So. Uh, I want to encourage everyone to go to redlegnation.com every day where you'll see uh, coverage of the Reds every day. That's all we do, talk about the Cincinnati Reds, even on a even in a year like this one. Actually, there's more to talk about this year than in most years. So come on over and check us out, leave some comments. S- subscribe to the Red Leg Nation Radio podcast, and uh, you'll find links at Red Leg Nation on how to subscribe. You can go to iTunes and search for Red Leg Nation uh, Radio. Uh, leave us a review. Leave us a rating. That helps other people find us. Uh, leave, only leave us a rating if you're going to say something good, though. Come on. I'm not, I don't want you to go leave us a, a bad review. Uh, just delete the podcast and move on, man. What are you trying to do? Um, you can check out Jason on Twitter at Jason Linden, J-A-S-O-N-L-I-N-D-E-N. You can find me at Dotson C. Obviously, always uh, check us out at Red Leg Nation on Twitter, on Instagram, on Snapchat, on Facebook, everywhere. Um, Jason? Appreciate you coming on again, buddy. I hope to talk to you again very soon. Thanks for having me. It's always a good time. And thank you all for listening. This is uh, episode 140 of Red Leg Nation Radio. For Jason Linden, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. <laughs>